Hello and welcome to A View from the Bench, a podcast about my experiences and perceptions in the courtroom dealing with the trial of major cases over a legal career spanning almost five decades. I'm your host, Albert McCagg, and today we will be talking about a couple of family law cases I heard. As a general jurisdiction trial judge, I hear criminal cases, family law cases, property tax matters, big civil lawsuits, and more. So really, I hear just about everything, including Cases with a Girl in the Mirror, which is the title of today's podcast. Before we get started, though, and because I still sit as a senior state district judge, I have to do the disclosure routine. Apologies for that, but it's a necessary obstacle to overcome. In these episodes, I will not be giving a legal opinion on the law, but merely my impressions of how certain laws fit certain fact situations. Also, nothing said in this podcast is intended to show or predict how I will rule on either current or future cases. The Judicial Code of Ethics prohibits my commenting on cases pending in my court or criticizing the actions of other trial judges. All the cases that I discussed have been disposed of, and I no longer have any jurisdiction or authority over those cases. With those disclosures out of the way, let's talk about a view from the bench. The first case today started out as a divorce case with the wife claiming the husband had committed adultery, and because of that, she wanted a lot of money. The man had previously been married, but had been single for a lot of years before he met the woman who would become his new wife. He had a successful business and was fairly well off financially. Middle age is not a firm definition, but suffice it to say the man and the woman were both mature enough to know what they were doing. The couple had been married only a couple of years when wife's girlfriend fell on hard times following a breakup with her own significant other. Wife had her friend move in with the couple until she could get herself on her feet again. It wasn't long before the wife claimed that husband and girlfriend were having an affair. Wife filed suit for divorce from the husband claiming adultery and asking for a lot of money. The couple couldn't come to a settlement, so they came to me for a non-jury trial on the issues. That's fairly common in divorce cases, and I've handled dozens if not hundreds of such non-jury family law trials over the years. During the trial, a packet of about 10 8 by 10 color photographs was offered into evidence by wife's attorney, supposedly showing husband and girlfriend in bed doing what folks do in bed. The photos were very graphic and left nothing to the imagination, but I won't go into the detail here, so sorry about that. At any rate, the photographs were offered, and I was looking them over prior to admitting them into evidence, and I noticed two of the photographs showed a third person standing beside the bed. It seems that the photographer did not account for the full-size mirror in the bedroom, and the girl in the mirror was the wife showing full frontal nudity with the camera to her face. It was very clear that the photographs were taken as the threesome was doing what they were doing. For whatever reason, wife must have gotten upset with husband after the fact and filed for divorce, hoping to get a good money settlement. I called the attorneys up to the bench and pointed out the girl in the mirror, a fact neither of the attorneys had picked up on. I guess their eyes were diverted elsewhere, I don't know. Because they were both good attorneys, one a man, one a female. At any rate, the lawyers asked for a recess, which I granted. About 45 minutes later, the case settled. As I said in an earlier episode, you just can't make this stuff up. 
The second case I'll discuss was also a family law case, and this one was not one of my better moments on the bench. This case involved a woman asking for child support for a child born out of wedlock, and the man would not agree until a DNA test was conducted. That is not unusual when you figure out how a lot of folks treat sexual morality. We were in a preliminary hearing where I was trying to determine if a DNA test was the right call and the woman was called to testify. After she was sworn in, the man's lawyer was laying the groundwork with some basic questions when he asked her how many children she had. She responded that she had four children and was pregnant with the fifth, and she was then only 23 years old. Through her testimony, it was determined that there were three other fathers of the four children who had been born, not including the man in the present case. Here's where I should have kept my mouth shut and didn't. I turned to the woman and asked this question. Ma'am, do you hold a lottery to see who you're going to shack up with next? With a straight face, she looked over at me and actually answered the question and said no. I didn't ask a follow-up question, as you can well imagine. Both lawyers struggled to not laugh out loud. As I said, not my finest hour. Anyway, I figured out at that point that a DNA test was certainly in order and ordered it. The final case today was a criminal case. A man had been placed on probation for a major drug offense some time back. He was later accused of violating his probation in several ways, including new law violations. And as the trial judge, it was up to me about whether I revoked his probation or not. At the end of the hearing, the defendant was explaining why he really should not go to prison because he had five children he needed to pay child support for. I asked him if he was actually paying child support, and his answer was that he did when he could. Well, pursuing that a little bit, I found out that he had paid a total of $50 over the last several months, so basically he wasn't paying child support. I asked how many, and I despise this term, but you have to speak the language they understand, I asked how many baby mamas were there, and he told me four. So I told him that he was remanded into custody, that I was sentencing him to 10 years in prison for the probation violations, and that he may continue to have sex in prison, but at least in prison, he wasn't going to have any more children. Well, that's probably not my most judicial moment, but it is what it is. My longtime court reporter tells me she has a whole file of buddyisms that she's going to publish in a book someday when she retires. I kind of hope she does because she has a better memory and certainly a better record of those gaffes than I do. Anyway, truth is stranger than fiction. And I'll see you next time right here on A View from the Bench. Until then, may God bless you and keep you. May his face shine upon you and give you peace. 